says to train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it now what that means is is they will have what is the it they will not depart from the training doesn't mean our children will always make wise decisions but they will have that training they will have what they have learned throughout the years we know of a bunch of people that were raised as best as you can raise anybody, but, you know, would veer off the path, so to speak, and uh, take off. But then, of course, God gives them an opportunity, just like the, the story of the prodigal son, to come back. Go ahead and uh, open your Bibles to Second Corinthians. We'll uh, start there, chapter 5 and verse 17. Second Corinthians, chapter 5 and verse 17. The Word of God speaking about the, this subject, the power of a changed life. Me, you and I both know that when God gets a hold of you, He changes your life. We don't always avail ourselves or listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say, but listen, all of us, if we're really saved... If we really know Jesus as our Savior, He changes our life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's really saved. I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. He is a new creature. A new, and that word creature means a, cre- a created being, a new created thing, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're going to look at a couple of examples in the Bible of the power of a changed life. That, folks, if you're saved, if you know Jesus, He's He's changed you. He's changed your desires. It does not mean 
that uh, we live perfect lives or even that we don't. I've heard some per- person say, man, I got saved at, at 42 and I was a lying and cussing, drinking sailor and I never craved those things again. Well, I, I've seen those changes, but most of the time those, they still desire those things. They've just, they are so thankful and so sold out that they don't desire those things like they did. Their body may still desire something or still have an old habit that tends to slip up or, or, or they're trying to ask Jesus to help them to break. You know, they can only do those things through uh, the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've seen that happen time and time again. A lot of times you don't see a, a huge change in the life of a, a 9 or 10 or 11-year-old because it's kind of like... Uh, you know, what, what sins do they, can they repent of? All they're repenting of generally is, I'm a sinner, <laughs> and I need Jesus, and I want to, when I leave this world, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to end up in hell. So there is such thing as the power of a changed life. You see somebody that gets saved when they're in their 30s or 40s, or and that's great. We had a testimonial service the other night, and uh, on a Sunday night, it was a blessing. If you missed it, enjoyed that. Karen shared her story. She got saved at a young age, younger than myself. And uh, she thanks the Lord that she never got caught up in, in a lifestyle that was unpleasing to God that in order that she would have to repent. And, you know, that's really what we should pray. We should pray, well, I, you know, our prayer definitely should not be, well, I wish my child would just go off and live like the devil so he'll have a great testimony when he gets out. I don't know of any parent who rationally prays a prayer like that. And uh, we would really want to pray as a parent, you know, keep my child from a worldly lifestyle. Don't let them go down that road because, you know, that could end up horribly bad they may not even make it out of that. You know, God says has enough sometimes, and he says, hey, listen, it's time to go home. Uh, just a few pages over in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 15. So just a few pages over, Galatians 6 and verse 15. So I, I, I need to be saved, or I'm saved, and there is such thing as the power of a changed life. We know what the Bible says, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. What does this say? Now, this whole passage was about, uh, or excuse me, this whole book was about people who were leaving Judaism, leaving the law, saying because a lot of people trusted the law to save them instead of trusting in a Messiah. A lot of people trust that, hey, I was baptized, I'm going to heaven Wrong. I'm, I'm a church member. I'm going to heaven. Wrong. You know, when I hear that, I wonder if, if uh, you know, I'm hoping that they don't, that's not what they're trusting in. Because somebody can be a church member, baptized church member, and bust hell wide open. Because it's not uh, uh, an, an ordinance. It's not, a, it's not an act. It's not I'm good. It's not any of those things that save us. I, I, I am baptized. I am a church member because I did get saved. 
And I did come to know Jesus as my Savior. And He changed my life. And one of the signs of being saved is I do want to serve the Lord. And I do want to share the story. I want to tell others about Him. That's a sign that you are saved. That's a sign of a changed life. If you want to tell somebody about Jesus, I'll never forget the desire that I had, even as a fourth grader, to tell others I got saved. I didn't even understand it all. I never even heard a word called sanctification or justification or whatever. It didn't matter. You don't even have to know any of that. All I knew is I needed a Savior and asked Jesus to save me. And I wanted to share the story. I wanted to tell others about Jesus. He changed my life. So these people were trusting, if they're a Jew, they trusted in something called circumcision. And it was not only... It was an act, an act of obedience in the law. But it says here, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. I don't care whether you've kept the law or not, but a a new creature means, are you saved? Do you have G? Are you a new person in Christ? There's a difference, and it's called the difference between Lip service and just saying something and doing something. Turn, if you will, just a few more pages over. Again, looking at the subject, the power of a changed life. Philippians chapter 2, that's just a few pages further. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. I love to look at the first 11 verses. But this is where we're going to kick off. Basically, the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 2 is that Jesus is a great example. He gave His all so that we could have a home in heaven. I've stated before years ago, Jesus lived a perfect life so you could claim a perfect promise. And then He says, wherefore? Matter of fact, uh, Billy Don talked about this word in Sunday school. I laid all this groundwork so I can say this. I talked about what what amazing Savior He is so I can say this. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. In other words, man, I've seen you working while I was there, and I know you're a working church while I'm even not there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When I was a, a kid, well, forget that. My whole life, my mamal Reese, if you had a sore or a splinter, where's the hydrogen peroxide? I want to boil it out, she'd say. Didn't matter you have a sore, boil it out. Where's the hydrogen peroxide? Man, a, a beam, a stick could be sticking out of my neck. Where's the hydrogen peroxide? Forget the emergency room, boil it out. But did you know the word work out your own salvation literally means that? Let it out. Let it be seen. Work it out. In other words, it doesn't mean work for it. It means let it be seen. Let it come out. Kind of like a tube of toothpaste. Squeeze it and see what comes out. If you're really saved, folks, when you get saved, your salvation should come out. What's in your heart should come out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, obedience and fear and respect to God. 
And it keeps on saying, okay, so I need to let my salvation be seen. I let now I need to let the Jesus, if I'm saved and Jesus is in me, do people see Jesus in you? For it is God, verse 13, which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Be good examples to the community and to each other. Why? That you may be blameless and harmless. I tell you what, I ain't going to that church because why? I've seen the way they act at work. I've seen the way they act at school. I don't want to be a part of somebody that acts like that. There's a warning right there. That when we work out our salvation, do people, when we leave this church, do we act like Christians or, or hellions? What do we act like? Do we bring Him pleasure or do we live for ourselves? It's all about that. Do people see Jesus in us? If you're saved and if I'm saved, people should see Jesus. Amen? In us. Work out your salvation. Let it out. Let it be seen in our lives. Why? People see us that you may be, I'm in verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. You're living in a what? In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What's your job and my job? Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. In other words, when you meet Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, I did it. I lived for you. I was successful. I wasn't without mistake. I made some mistakes, but I held the gospel up. And I let people see you. And I live for you. I shared a verse in Bible study class a while ago. Famous verse, Matthew sixteen twenty four, which says, If any man will follow me, if any man's going to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Three parts to that. To deny ourselves. To take up our cross and to follow me. <clears throat> to live for him. That I may rejoice, back to Philippians 2.16, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Folks, you will find out, you will find out, that every dollar you gave to a missionary, every child that uh, you invited to vacation Bible school, I was commenting also to the BTC class, you know, and, and uh, some people get upset when kids make noise in church, but I'm just so glad we got kids in church. <laughs> Let them make noise. I'm glad they're here. 
You'll find out that one day every ounce of sweat, every time you hurt yourself, every time somebody hurt your feelings, every time something went wrong, if you did it for the right reason, for the love of the Lord, and because Jesus is inside of you, you'll stand before the judgment and it'll be what? Not in vain. I've not labored in vain. I've not, it wasn't for naught. It wasn't for nothing. I've, you know, in all these years and you say, well, how many got saved? And I don't know, but I tried to just be kind of like uh, one fellow said his whole life at a church, he drove a van to pick up kids to take them to Sunday school. It's one of these inner city churches. He said, I sure hope it was worth it. At his funeral, this is a true story. A friend of mine went to his funeral. I didn't go. And uh, they was preaching his funeral. And they said, uh, how many kids rode this guy's van to Sunday school? And over 300 kids raised their hand. That was at the funeral. Imagine the ones who weren't there. Reckon when he gets to heaven, the Lord may say, and it seems like a little uh, a petty job, just something you say. Well, what is he? Uh, you know, well, I'm the I'm the what at church? Well, I'm the, the van driver. You know, you know some churches, especially in bigger towns, they have buses and vans and this and that, and they go get them and they bring them in, and then you have to have people to work on them. All I did at church was hold people's children. I worked in the nursery for twenty years, and all I got is Kool Aid and cracker stains all over me. And then you go to heaven, you find out that some parent got saved because their kid was being helped by a nursery worker. And that person listened to the gospel and they got saved all because you were helping look after a youngin. You see what I mean? There's work goes on all the time behind the scenes. And according to this verse, that when I'm faithful to the Lord and I live for Him and I do things because I love Him and I want to see people get saved, that that's called the power of a changed life. That I don't care if I never get any credit here on earth. When I get to heaven, I will. But a lot of us want to live for here. And it's about me and my way or the highway. And it's about this or that. It's about selfishness. It's about this. But folks, the sooner we can get us behind us and Jesus in front of us, the sooner we'll see Jesus and see it's all about Him. By the way, every time a little kid does that, they're saying amen. (laughs) Amen. The power of a changed life. It's more than lip service. It's more than just saying, well, I'm, I'm a church member. I'm, a, I'm baptized. A changed life is found, a neat example of it, is found in Acts chapter 9. Of course, this is a man named Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. We're going to fly through it real fast. Acts 9 verse 1. And Saul, yet threatening, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went in the high priest. Yeah, well, give me some of them Christians, verse 2, and desired him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he may be found, that if any, he found any of this way, whether they are men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, give me some warrants, rest papers, give me some authority, 
He went, Bible says in verse 3, he journeyed and he came near to Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth. He heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who art thou, Lord? And the word, the word Lord just means master. So, man, this guy, who in the world? <clears throat> and he said, I am Jesus. And thou persecutest. And by the way, when Jesus is speaking to this, don't you know the Lord's Holy Spirit was just clobbering his heart? And by the way, do you remember what he saw? And I mentioned this to, I believe, my class. One of the greatest men that was called ever, that had a huge impact, short ministry, a huge impact, was Stephen said, I'll be faithful unto death. And Stephen died and saw Paul, watched it. And his life was changed because a man was willing to die for Jesus. And he was thinking about all this. Verse 6 says, And he, trembling, astonished, said, Lord, by the way, sometime between verse 5 and verse 6, he got saved. He uttered these words, Lord, what will thou have me to do? He said, Go to the city, and it shall be told what you must do. And the men journeyed with him, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul... Uh, rose from the earth, and his eyes were open. He's, he's blind. <laughs> and he was without sight for three days. In verse 9, he did either eat, eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he said unto him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Imagine him getting this call. Uh, <clears throat> I remember an old re uh, recording. Matter of fact, I mentioned it one time. Kenneth went on the... Uh, internet and found a copy of it a phone call from god <laughs> and he made me a copy of it and uh it's really cool i got it, still got it in my office kenneth and if you ever heard that old recording a phone call from the lord imagine you getting this phone call i want you to go to uh to witness or to baptize america's most wanted <laughs> the top villain of all christendom and uh, he says, verse 11 says, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight. There's one called Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he prayeth. He's praying. <laughs> He's praying, all right. And seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. That's interesting. You've ever thought about that? When, when uh, God told Ananias to go, he's already telling Paul he's coming. You ever thought about that? He's telling Ananias, go see him, and he's telling Paul, he's or Saul, he's coming. That's pretty cool. Ananias answered and said, look at this. Look at verse 13. Ananias answered and uh, he said, Lord, I laugh every time I read, I have heard by many of this man how much evil hath he done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And he hath authority from the chief priest to bind upon all them that call upon thy name. But the Lord said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's a changed man, Ananias. And notice what I said here. The great things he must suffer for my sake. Remember what I told you? Anytime God calls you, He doesn't lie to you. 
When Jesus calls a man to follow him, he never says it's going to be easy. It's going to be a bed of roses. The, the gate's straight and the way is narrow. Preached that this morning, didn't I? And he never lied to Paul. There's, did you know the devil, he's going to pile up a bunch of obstacles between you and Jesus. Number one, so you won't meet him. And number two, after you meet him, you won't live for him. Because he knows the power of a what? Of a changed life. Who knows the power of a changed life? The devil knows the power of a changed life. And if you're saved tonight, you have the power of a changed life inside of you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's Jesus that makes the difference in your life. It's he that saves you. It's he that keeps you saved. And it's he that empowers you to be bold. Yet many of us won't take advantage of that. And we'll listen to every lie that Satan tells us. And most of us, if we'll be honest with ourselves, the devil ain't after us. We just listen to our flesh. Guilty. We all do. We just say, ah, what will people think? What will people say? Lastly, in closing, head to Galatians chapter 1. And uh, Paul's kind of given his testimony after he talks about the, you know, the gospel in verses 1 through 10. And uh, verse 10, he says, uh, Galatians 1.10, For I do now persuade men or God. Do I, live for, do I live to please people or Jesus? Mm-hmm. That's right. And for if I please men, if I'm living for people, the end of verse 10 says, I shouldn't even be the servant of Christ. And the word servant means bond servant. In other words, I choose him to be my master. And uh, so... You living for? Do we live for people? We we can live for our own families. Well, my family wants me to. Do I live for my fa- even my family? The places that God's called me. Probably because I was 18 years old, and when I was 10 years old, I got saved. I didn't think about writing things down. I wrote down a lot of things about my call to preach, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Probably, again, because I was 18 years old rather than 10 years old. But my my call into the ministry is more profound and more vivid than any time, than most any time that God's ever spoken to me. And I say spoken to me, of course, in my heart. And convicted me and guided me. But I'll never forget now literally sitting in the middle of my bed with my Thompson chain reference King James Bible open in my lap looking for that verse that said Michael Reese is not called to preach. And I found that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 realizing that I was weak and foolish and that I was just asked, to, asked by God to be a servant unto him. And I looked up and, and that old log home that I'm living in. That story in the half roof and those beams running up, and I just told God, 
I'll preach. I give up. And he forever laid his hand upon me. You know, later on, that presbytery laid their hands upon me, but it was nothing like when God laid his hand upon my life. And literally empowers you. He will empower you to do his will, man or woman, boy or girl. Many times in these letters, you see Paul defending himself, his apostleship. They would do anything and everything to belittle him, decertify him. That's why he says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I didn't come up with this on my own. I didn't even ask for it. Jesus walked up to me and said, Boom! He separated me from my mother's womb. It's in verse 15. And he knew he was going to do it before I was ever thought about. Why why did God do this? Why does God use you? Why does God want you to live for Him? If you're saved, the power of a changed life is verse 16. To reveal His Son in me. And I might preach him among the heathen. The word heathen just means lost. I've heard that all my life. You run, you mess with any, if you mess with a bunch of uh, 12-year-old boys, I've seen a teacher walk in a room, a bunch of 12-year-old boys. Why are y'all acting like a bunch of heathen? <laughs> I'm to preach the gospel to the heathen. That just means they're wild, out of control, they're lost. Folks, this is it. The very last verse. I'm just wrap this up. Very last verse of this chapter. After they looked at Paul and his life, Paul's whole life is about verse 24. Galatians 1, 24. And they glorified God in me. He's given his, uh, and he's talking about, hey, I was in the desert of Arabia for three years, and I went and saw Peter, and then I went and saw James, and then I went and saw so-and-so, and I hung out with so-and-so. We talked about preaching. We talked about all these things. You know what that means when it says that they, who's they? The other Peter, James, John, and whoever, all the other apostles and the people that were alive that saw him and his changed life. And when it says in Galatians 1.24 that they glorified God in me, I can't believe what God has done in your life. That is awesome. Folks, have you ever thought about that? Wouldn't you like for people to say that about you? I can't believe the way God is using you. I can't believe what God is doing in your life. That's what it means when it says they glorified God in me. They looked at Paul. Do you know what you used to be? Do you know what you used to do? It's awesome what God, I cannot believe what God's doing in your life right now. That's what we should all desire. And again, what is that? The power of a changed life. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Father, I thank you so very much that your Holy Spirit empowers us to live for you. We see these great examples in your word about how that, that people can come from, from just being rebellious to being changed. And that you're still in the people changing business even today. 
And there are people hungry for something else. For something this old world can never provide. May we be a light in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.